Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. We have always been somewhat attracted to, fascinated by, drawn toward like moths to a flame, the fraudster, the grifter. And in the era of streaming TV, there's something even more attractive about mythologizing these people. So today on The Nose, we are going to talk about two instances of that. Uh, One of them, The Dropout, which is about Elizabeth Holmes, founder of Theranos, uh, and then inventing Anna, which is about Anna Sorokin, founder of nothing, essentially, except although there was supposedly going to be an Anna Sorokin foundation. Kind of a big-time grift and a medium-sized, almost small-time grift in the case of Sorokin, but a lot of other commonalities. And our panel will be discussing Scam TV, our new passion. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the Go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Hello, hello. So it's The Nose, our weekly cultural roundtable. We're going to do something slightly different, I think. We're going to do kind of two conjoined intellectual properties, and they're conjoined primarily in our own minds, but they seem to be part uh, of a trend that you might call fraudster TV. Um, This would include uh, the several documentaries about the Fire Festival. Uh, It would include the thing about Pam. And then I think there's a second season uh, coming called The Other Thing About Pam. Uh, I don't know who's attached to that project, though. Tinder Swindler, We Crashed. You get the idea. There's a lot of this stuff. But I think two kind of standout properties, if that's the right word, uh, are The Dropout, uh, which is the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos told in eight parts, and Inventing Anna, which is the story about Anna Sorokin or Anna Delvey, depending on which version of reality you happen to inhabit, uh, told in nine parts. Uh, The former is on Hulu, The Dropout. Uh, and Inventing Anna's on Netflix. And they've both been kind of big hits uh, in the world of streaming. So before we get into this, I just want to quickly tell a story. I'm not really sure what the story illustrates. But um, so in 2016, 
you may recall in November, somebody named Donald Trump got elected president. Uh, that was on a Tuesday. And on by Friday, I was like really sick. I think these things were connected, but I was really, really sick. I think we had to cancel the nose. Uh, and then I was sick for weeks. And I, like, I just couldn't re- get better running this huge temperature and stuff. And I finally get better. And then uh, the company here asked me if I can go out to TedMed. Uh, and uh, there's a TED Med out in Palm Springs, and they want me there for reasons I wouldn't even go into. So, and I thought, great idea. So I go out there, and the first night there's this like really fancy dinner, and this is Palm Springs too, and it's like you know. So, and, and I didn't know anybody, and there was a table that had an empty seat. I asked if I could take it. They said yes. It turned out everybody else there was sort of a biomedical research person who was like either running his own his or her own lab or running a big university operation or whatever. And they were all talking about Theranos. And they all had financial entanglements and some people had money in Theranos. And I'd been so involved in the national election, as a lot of people were. I really didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> it was 20, December of 2016, which I now know, you know, all of the writing was on the wall by then. But I just had no idea what this was. And I think it is a story that flew a little bit under the radar because we had a different national obsession. So our panel is going to talk about it today. Here we go. Tanisha Dugan is Associate Professor at Octopus Theatricals. Mercy Quay is Founder and Principal Consultant for the Narrative Project. I think it's also been announced that uh, the CT Mirror uh, Enterprises, CT Mirror uh, Cinematic Universe, is launching a podcast featuring her and Mr. Dankosky. I believe it's called Mercy and the Dude. Uh, I'm not sure about that, though. Um, actually, I floated that title out in the parking lot the other day when I saw Mr. Dankosky. So uh, Bill Usman is a professor of media studies at Sacred Heart University. Uh, so they're all here together, and they're all here to talk first about the dropout. Then we're going to do a quick pledge break. We'll come back. Uh, we will uh, talk more about inventing Anna. So um, well, who's going to get us going here? Let's uh, Mercy... Uh, I know you might be a little bit short on sleep because it's possible you stayed up really late binging one of these two things. But oh my god, you're just being so dramatic. <laughs> That's not bad. That is not bad at all. Uh, so basic, right? But it's very basic. All right. Right, so that's good, but that's the second segment. Now give us your deep, throaty-voiced Elizabeth Holmes, because I think that's uh, where we are right now. So let's talk a little bit about the dropout. Uh, Mercy, just in general, I mean, was this something you enjoyed, found engrossing, already knew too much about when you started watching? What was your overall experience? Yeah, so I I knew a great deal about this before I started watching, um, because I think around the time that you just described, I was listening to um, the LA Times put out a podcast called The Dropout. Um, and I was doing work with uh, Yale's Office of Cooperative Research, where we do technology transfer, right? Pulling discoveries out from the lab and into um, entrepreneurial endeavors. And so this sort of hit close to home for what I was doing at the time. And um, this for me felt like, well, I mean, well revisiting the story, uh, felt like, okay, well, Mercy, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you're running a business. <laughs> how, are, how aren't you Elizabeth Holmes? And then I heard another <laughs> voice come, come into my head and say, well, you know, Mercy, I think one of the things about your business is that it's actually providing a product. And so I think good. that, <laughs> thank you, I try, I'm trying. Um, you know, I think in a, in a time where, uh, women, particularly women of color, are impacted by their own uh, sense of, of uh, self-worth and imposter syndrome. 
you know, the Elizabeth Holmes story is really, I think, a classic American tale. It's a Carnegie tale. It's a Ford tale. It's a, she's a self-made billionaire. And did she do it off the backs of, of others? And did she do it while helping people? I mean, while hurting people? Absolutely. And we should recognize that for the pain and suffering that she caused. But I guess the question that comes up for me is, wait, how is that different from Carnegie or Ford? Weren't they awful people as well? Yeah, I had the same thought watching this. The the story of how old money got to be old money uh, is every bit as unattractive and sometimes considerably worse uh, than the kind of fast money grift that we see in these series and lots of other ones. On the other hand, Bill Usman, uh, and I assume you have your professor hat on right now anyway, there's a way in which we tell these stories right now to make sense of a particular moment. Yes, I think Mercy's right. The stories are kind of eternal, uh, but there's also a way in which we are in a very specific moment right now. And I think we are trying to tell these stories as a way of making sense of that moment. Maybe you can sort of play off that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think the first place that I go to and one of us brought it up in our email exchanges, and I'm sorry, I, I, I can't remember who it was, so I can't give uh, proper credit. So I guess I'm just taking advantage of other people's work as well. But, um, you know, the obvious place to go is you mentioned 2016, Colin. You know, we're coming off of the ultimate grifter. You know, the grifter of the grifters. He is so much of a grifter that he's not even as much of a grifter as he pretends to be. He pretends, you know, I mean, it's just, we're, we're, we're still, I think, reckoning with the hangover of having elected a complete and total fraud who still has, you know, close to half the country bamboozled and brought, you know, to the places where we see all the people in these two dramas going, where they're just buying this stuff, even though there is nothing there. You know, that's, that's, that's the commonality between the two shows. But I also think it's the commonality with our recent political moment. There is nothing there, but we are buying it. Yeah, I mean, Tanisha, another thing that we talked about a lot as we were getting ready for the show is there, there is this kind of rags to riches parable that, that does date back to the era of the giants uh, that, uh, that Mercy's talking about. But it's also very much of the present moment, uh, particularly in the tech sector, but also in the case of inventing Anna in, in the New York world of glitterati and trust fund babies and stuff. But in the case of the dropout, you know, she's already following a game plan that's about inventing something, uh, commodifying it and getting incredibly rich and famous. And, and you can sort of understand maybe why that's a dream we have. And, and there's a lot in Holmes about going for your dream and you know, doing all this stuff. I don't know. Um, initially, it might seem kind of innocuous, right, to follow your dreams and get a lot of stuff. I, I mean, I guess so. I, you know, there's a there's a couple pieces to it, right? There's the one part, which is that she is following the the archetype of venture capitalism in Silicon Valley, which is, I don't even know how it goes so far as to say inventing something, because I don't think that there has to be, to an earlier point, a product that actually exists, but it needs to be an idea. And I don't know what's more American than convincing people to buy into an idea long before it's actually mm-hmm. come to fruition. Um, and mm-hmm. that that is the Silicon Valley dream. In fact, 
you know, in my work, I'm often like, well, why does that work in this space? But when we come, when it comes to sort of um, making something as small as theater, it doesn't work, but it absolutely works for films, right? I mean, that's exactly the entire premise. You get people on board because you're like, listen to the story I want to tell. Give me your money. Um, so that's not that's not new business. Um, and she followed, you know, I think I said this in our, our emails, you know, she told us the stories she was following. She said, here are the myths and, and realities that I'm engaging with. I am going to be like Edison. I am going to dress and and build my idea of a leader as uh, as you know in the likeness of Steve Jobs. She wasn't you know um, special in her imaginations. She just was uh, clear eyed and and focused. Uh, and that to me is is the thing that that's the most interesting. You know why are we not Elizabeth? I think of you and I, Mercy, because to use a gendered term, we sometimes have been taught that the balls it takes to do it is not ours to have or ours right. to carry, All right? right? Before, but she has balls to do it. Um, and and that, also, go ahead. To that point, uh, to that point, I also think that it, it's, you know, specifically women of color have this almost policing um, uh, uh tactic of themselves where it's like listen am i a phony and every time you think about being a phony you work harder to prove your work and to earn your work right it's not just the the did you get the answer at the bottom of the equation it's show your work as well and i don't think that elizabeth holmes had any incentive to show her work no so uh, before we go any further i want to give people kind of a little sense at least of the sound of this i don't know if we mentioned that amanda seyfried plays elizabeth holmes uh backed up by a kind of an amazing cast of character actors plus naveen andrews as uh, as sunny balwani uh let's hear a little bit this dylan we're gonna play a2 here so uh this is a, a little conference between amanda uh, sunny and two of the other people at theranos the device wasn't working we couldn't fix it. So I had somebody send in fake test results from a test we'd done before. It's going to work. It just didn't that day. I didn't know what to do. When we get the box to work, we're not even going to remember this. We'll be geniuses. And you'll be able to tell this story at a conference wearing flip-flops. Don't tell anyone else. Just you. Good. Okay. I don't feel things the way other people feel things. I know. So we need to talk a little bit about how this works as a series. You have other options. Um, uh, Bill Usman, uh, people can, if they choose, also on HBO, watch the Alex Gibney documentary, The Inventor, where you see all the real people. This one is 
this one is peopled with really kind of a who's who of great American uh, character actors: mm-hmm. Bill Irwin, Elizabeth Marvel, uh, Mary Jean Raskob, uh, Stephen Fry in a really an amazing performance. Um, Kate Burton is in both of the things we're talking about right now. William Macy, Laurie Metcalf, uh, uh, Lisa Gay uh, Hardman, who is having uh, quite uh, quite an experience. Lisa Gay Hamilton, excuse me, who's having quite an experience right now because she's in Winning Time too. Uh, so. Uh, and, and then ultimately, ultimately Sam Watterson, who I want to talk about separately, at least uh, for my own part near the end. But but Bill, so this version of it, which tracks, I think, more closely to reality and truth than Inventing Anna does, it, is it a good way to tell the story? Do they tell the story effectively? I think for the most part, they do. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, you and I went in slightly opposite <laughs> directions. We did. We where, crossed. And, this came out in our emails where at first I was really into it and you were very skeptical of it. And then you ended up really liking it. And I ended up still liking it. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned like I would give it like a solid B or B plus. I, I do think it goes on. This is what I would say about both of these. And you brought this up as well. I, I think it goes on a little bit too long. Um, and so... I found myself as I watched all of it kind of ebbing and flowing. I was also binging it. Um, so maybe I just got tired of that aspect of it. But for the most part, I think it holds together well. I think Seafried's performance is really great. You know, she already has those enormously huge eyes and she uses them to great effect to both show... Um, kind of her charisma to pull people in, but also her intensity, which really gets very close to insanity. Um, at, at There are places in it where you really do see her unraveling and the whole place kind of becomes cult-like, uh, wearing masks of her face and, and, you know, doing these crazy dances and stuff. But, but as a dramatic series, I, I think it holds up quite well and it's, quite well constructed. All right. We only have a short amount of time left because of the pledge thing. So I want to just continue on this a little bit. I don't know. Mercy, tell me how you think it worked as a series. What did you like or not like? So oddly, I think it's fantastic. Um, and I, I think I it, it carries over for me from the podcast because the podcast was beautifully um, uh, designed. Um, uh, the narration of the podcast, the sound of the podcast, all of that was beautiful. And I think I actually told, um, you know, in this week while interviewing um, someone for our new podcast, Mercy and the Dude, I actually told the dude <laughs> that watching the dropout with your like certain scenes with your eyes closed, the scoring carries the entire Right, feeling for the scene for you. And it's just, you know exactly what's going on. Some really tense um, scenes between her and Sunny. Um, some really excellent work um, uh, with um, the rest of the cast. I mean, it is scored beautifully. I think it is filmed beautifully. I think it works really well as a piece. I do understand what you're saying, Bill, that it, it goes on a bit too long. But then I think about there are a couple pieces that I just can't live without, like that closing scene of Elizabeth Holmes getting into the Uber. I couldn't live without. <laughs> so, Tanisha, how about the abuse? I feel like you're saying that because you don't want to listen to Amanda Seyfried's voice of Elizabeth Holmes. So you close your <laughs> eyes and yeah. just listen to the music because you were like, I can't with the voice. 
It was like it was intolerable. It was insufferable. It's bad. Yeah. So I would get her a lozenge. So, so Tanisha, as a producer director, how does this work as drama? Uh, you know, you did the worst thing by sharing the documentary. Mm-hmm. And so after I watched the uh, series, I looked at the documentary and I will just say to the people from this person's perspective, the documentary is so much better. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's because you get to see, as opposed to seeing an actor portraying a human, you get to see the human. Um, and there are just some things that happen behind Elizabeth Holmes's eyes when being asked <laughs> sometimes innocuous questions and sometimes um, deeper questions that just tell a whole nother story that is really hard for an actor to do. So while as a piece of drama and entertainment, yeah, sure. Add it to the queue list of a thousand things you have in your queue list, but I would put the documentary um, ahead of. The, I, I w- one thing I would say is I watched. If you're going to do them both, I do the series first and then the documentary because I think it throws okay. you off if you see the reality first. Uh, as we head into break here, I want what I want to say is. I think they're amazing performances. I just mentioned a whole bunch of them all the way through. Sam Waterston, I, I, this is he plays George Schultz, one of the really prominent people taken in by this. This is Sam Waterston is just a great actor anyway. I mean, just is really good. Mm-hmm. This is some of the best acting I've ever seen, and in a way, mm-hmm. what really pulls this thing together for me towards the end is the is sort of the pain still muddled with a kind of arrogance that that mm-hmm. that he pulls out of this George Schultz character. You know, Schultz was this very, very smart and largely principled person who nonetheless spent an awful lot of his life making excuses for appalling behavior by people even more important than him. And there's a way which Waterston just gets so perfectly how Schultz can't get out of that role even when he's dealing with this, you know, underaged inventing whiz kid. So anyway, I I, I wound up locking the drop dropout way more than I thought I was going to. Let's take a break here. Please support the show while we're on on the air it always helps the show wanna pull my head break my back for the right money might sit in your lap back to back i can't even keep track it's a fact the freaks need to get slapped my toes and need a back rub yeah, i don't come to do it i just want to be touched look at how y'all making me blush i'm enough to go around so people don't push Welcome back. This is The Nose, our special Fraudster TV edition. Uh, our panel today uh, is Bill Usman, professor of media studies at Sacred Heart University, Tanisha Dugan, associate professor at Octopus Theatricals, Mercy Quay, founder uh, of, of the uh, Narrative Project, and soon to be heard hosting uh, a podcast within the Connecticut Mirror Cinematic Universe uh, with John Dankosky, working title, Mercy and the Dude. I don't know whether that's uh, etched in stone yet. I would have to say in the Connecticut um, uh, Mirror Cinematic Universe, Pasniokas Man is still my favorite show. I mean, he's like my favorite superhero just in general. Uh, all right. So um, we are talking about Inventing Anna, nine-part Netflix series, limited series. Shonda Rhimes at the helm. So success is essentially guaranteed at this point. She sort of doesn't fail. Uh, and this is the story uh, of a fraudster who successfully deceived members of the New York elite and perhaps not so elite. She was really good, actually, at seducing what might, we might call the little people. Uh, her real name, Anna Sorokin. Her fake name, Anna Delvey. Uh, she was sort of an Instagram-driven uh, German heiress, but not really, uh, who ultimately was able to take some people for some money. Although I think it's worth pointing out just at the beginning, before we get into what the panel thought, 
for Anna Delvey or Anna Sorokin's, for her um, ill-gotten gains to be equal to Elizabeth Holmes's, you have to add not one zero, not two zero. You have to, just, you have to add three zeros to Anna's money before you're even anywhere in the ballpark of Theranos. Mm. So, I mean, really, it is sort of at the same level. So, Tanisha Dugan, let's let's talk about this. It's driven by two major performances by women. Anna Klumsky as Vivian Kent, a sort of fictionalized version of the journalist who really one of the journalists who gets inside uh, Anna. And then Julia Garner, she of Ozark uh, and The Americans and other stuff as Anna Delvey Sorokin. Um, how did this one work for you? Um, this one works a little better for me, but I'm definitely more crass and vain than the Therano story offers. I love a story about clothes and traveling and ridiculousness. Um, so this one thematically was already where I want to live. Um, you know, I think Garner has has a heavy lift, much like uh, Amanda Seyfried and Seyfried. Seyfried, whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, in that, like both of these women for my money are obnoxious. And so yeah. it's like, you know, hard to be likable. <laughs> and so I think Anna Tlumsky sort of wins in that case because I, I think the reporter is just an easier character to like um, than Anna. Um, but I but I dug it. And of course, you know, I dug it as much because I knew many of the actors in it and I'm always happy to see my friend's work. So there's that. Yeah. Although I think, let me just stay with you for one more second uh, on this, uh, just because there's a sort of an interesting theatrical question. So both of these performances, I'm talking about Julia Garner uh, and Amanda Seyfried in, in The Dropout, these are incredibly mannered performances because the characters are incredibly bizarrely mannered. I mean, Holmes has that weird voice. Holmes supposedly never blinks. I mean, people talk about this yeah. all the time in real life. Uh, you know, and then you've got Julia Garner doing this uh, accent that Sorokin had. She's kind of dry some of it in the in the ensuing years. Uh, Bill Usman memorably, memorably referred to it as baby Esperanto. <laughs> but so the, the trick is to have it not be an impersonation, to have it ultimately be in character. And so, Tanisha, I would argue that both of them get past the this is pure uh, impersonation of the weird banners and, and into real character work. Uh, but I'm also interested in knowing what you thought. I mean, well, I think that's the that's the gag, you know, because in so many ways, these real human beings were caricatures, right? Like they just are. Mm. Um, and and we find out with both of these women, you, you talk about it with um, Anna, and we, we also know this to be true about Elizabeth Holmes, that even they struggled with keeping up the persona, the characters they had created for themselves. So I do think as an actor, there's a bit of a box that you're inside of because you're playing a person who's playing a person. Um, and and there's just a remove that you, I think is, is difficult to navigate. So yeah, I can give them a pass a bit, but but it, but it's it's hard. It's a hard thing. And it's also curious to me as just a producer or creator, like this this interest in going down this road of people playing people, you all know, right. like all right, that are not are so far from truth. Before we uh, hear from uh, Bill and from Mercy, uh, let's hear a little clip from the show. Uh, you're going to hear uh, Anna Klumsky as Vivian Kent, the journalist, Julia Garner as Anna Delvey. We're doing B1, Dylan. Anna, I want to clarify some of this confusion. Everyone I spoke to, every single person described you very differently. Almost as if all of them were talking about 
a lot of different people instead of just one person. What do you think about that? I have a question. Okay. I looked at some stuff about you from the internet and I see some pictures <laughs> and I wonder what do you wear? Why do you dress like that? Like... Like that. What are you wearing? You look poor. <laughs> this is a nice... Anna, you're wearing... What are those? Coveralls? I'm in prison, but I still accessorized it and had it depressed. It's hard not to laugh at that. Uh, so, Bill Usman, uh, you're up next. Uh, I, I, at some point, I want to talk about the relationship between the reporter and the subject. We don't have to do that necessarily right now. But just give me your overall reactions to how this one worked for you. Well, I first have to confess that a few weeks ago, uh, my wife, Lori, suggested that we watch this show. And when I read what it was about, I kind of went, mm, no, I don't think that's for me. Um, and I passed. So she felt very vindicated when Jonathan McNichol called me to assignment. And then I had to go back and watch it. She had already watched it and really enjoyed it. Um, it's also the first thing she said to me when she met me is, was, you know, why do you dress like that? Um, so, so in my home, like there's all sorts of extra stuff going on. Um, I did enjoy it also. I'll give it another solid kind of like B or B plus. The tone is so different than the other one. I, I, I said that I, I feel like the dropout is almost horror and this has all of the breeziness and glitz that uh, Shonda Rhimes always brings to all of her stuff. And so it does, I think, kind of slide by, uh, even though, again, I think it's a little bit too long. Nine episodes, there's some self-indulgence there, but it also has some humor, as we heard in this just in the clip that we just heard. I found myself laughing out loud. Uh, at some of the other stuff that occurs in later episodes. So I do think it holds together well, and the performances are great. And I do love Klumsky in this as well. And as you mentioned, that relationship between her and Anna is really, really fascinating. Yeah, Mercy, for me, this is interesting, too, because, you know, both of these things are about people kind of inserting themselves into the world of the super rich and getting things out of them. Although... One thing about inventing Anna and about the actual story itself was she did a lot of her grifting with rich people, but some of it with little people, too. I mean, I I, mm. I, I, I don't know about you, Mercy. My anxiety quotient ratcheted way up with the Moroccan $62,000 hotel bill Ooh. on the charge card of some young woman who clearly didn't have that kind of money. This was a little bit about getting the little people, the people who can get you past the front desk of a hotel or whatever, getting those people on your side, but not maybe taking them all that seriously. Yeah, I, I think that um, once Anna's schemes or, you know, her manufactured personality no longer resonated with the real New York socialites, she tried her hands with folks that she could impress. And she, you know, surrounded herself with folks that were actually deeply impressed with her, right? She ran through her early friends. She ran through... 
Val and Chase, and she ran through the woman who gave her access to the yacht. She ran through the real wealth. And all that was left to keep up the rouge was these normal people who who couldn't see right through it. And I, I love the progression of the character um, and I love the progression of um, Julia Garner uh, uh, portraying the character because you know she goes back and forth from being really well polished to being infantilized, to being um, a, a businesswoman, to going back to being infantilized. And you, you have this sort of double dutch happening with the character that for me uh, flushes yes, her out. Yes, double dutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that that flushes her out a great deal, and because this is a Shonda Rhimes, hey, I, I want to just say, you know, she she gets the old gang back together. You got some Katie Lowe's, Jeff Perry, and a Devere, right? So there's like the old gang is back together. But one thing I gotta knock her for is a lot of the production work looked very similar to Scandal, split screens, right? The shutter clicking, camera action. Um, she would she she kind of used really funky transitions that at a certain point just felt jarring to me. Um, but I think narrative wise, it, it works for me. I think that, um, you know, there's, there's, there, there's something, there's a great deal here to like. I just want to make two kind of observations more as a guest than a host. One of them is that both of these series deal also with some of the manipulative aspects of journalism, uh, inventing Anna more so. I mean, there's kind of two grifts going on. And the other, the other one involves Anna Klumsky's character, this journalist trying to manipulate and 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 get uh, um, Anna Delphi to Anna Delphi to trust her, while also trying to keep the story alive uh, at her magazine, which is. Um, it's kind of similar. You see a lot of that going on in the Wall Street Journal and the dropout, the guy who plays uh, John Kerry, who is ultimately just trying constantly with Lisa K. Hamilton's character to keep the story from getting killed. How do you keep it alive? And sometimes you want to hold on to your sources and get them to stay on the record, even at their own peril. I think both of these series kind of explore what Janet Malcolm wrote about, about that in The Journalist and the Murderer. And the other thing I want to do is invoke the William Goldman rule and say that in both of these cases, but especially in Inventing Anna, Goldman always says that the more eccentric role is easier. It's scenery chewing. It's easier to play than the person who kind of sells the whole premise to the audience. He always he would use Dustin Hoffman versus Tom Cruise and said Cruise in Rain Man had to do the heavy lifting of getting us to sort of buy the entire premise. Uh, and, and I do think that Klumsky's work in, in Inventing Anna is kind of in that category. But, you know, the other thing, and we have a brief amount of time here, but, you know, Tanisha, one thing, <laughs> one thing they used to say about within Seinfeld on the set of Seinfeld is no hugs, no learning, and, and, and I, or no lessons. Uh, and I feel like both of these series are about people who are not going to learn their lessons. Uh, Anna Delvey, I think, has, or Anna Sorokin has an art exhibit up right now. She just got out of ICE detention. <laughs> She's got an art exhibit up. Um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Holmes is just keeping on Elizabeth Holmesing in every possible way. If we want these people to learn stuff, maybe we're going to the wrong place. Yeah, but I don't think that, like, biologically, these are people who have to learn stuff right like that's just not how the world is built for them so there's nothing surprising inside of them continuing on because there's an audience for them always right there's forgiveness for white women always um so i don't and i don't know if we come to either of those 
those shows with that, with a sense of redemption of, of trying to find that. I think, you know, for me, I go to it, uh, one, for um, lessons to learn, because while we may uh, armchair psychology our way into who these women are, they are telling us a tale of how one can find a thing, um, how to live outside of uh, imposter syndrome, how to you know beat back um, what that can do to a person. So I think if anything, if there are lessons to be learned, it's it's how to how to dream wildly and <laughs> blindly and um, with your full throat and chest and body, um, and that's not a bad thing um, until it until it becomes harmful to the, to others. Right, and you can't have imposter syndrome if you really are an imposter. <laughs> um, so, Bill, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, so, Bill, um, yeah, we should just point out New York has this so-called son of Sam law that means that Anna Delphi can't uh, or Anna Sorokin can't profit from her crimes. I think that three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. She sold her life rights to Netflix for uh, could be used to pay legal fees and restitution uh, to some of her victims, but she can't get any money from it. On the other hand, I'm starting to wonder about the exalting of these stories. You know, like I, re- I just am flat out not going to watch the Jared Leto and Hathaway we crashed thing. I- I'm not going to watch any more of this stuff. I don't think for a while. I just sort of wonder what this is all about and whether it's a good thing. Yeah, I wonder about that too. And I'm I'm not necessarily particularly interested in this becoming like a very dominant subgenre of true crime. And I do think there's, you know, there's a parallel there to the to the true crime stuff as well. You know, all these people who become obsessed with serial killers and the Mansons and and all of that. Like, I'm not, I don't know how great that is for a social structure either, or the reverse side of it. There's a lot of shows about like these um, independent internet sleuth vigilantes who are going after unsolved crimes. I worry a lot about that too, because that really is just, you know, digital vigilanteism. And I feel like those people are held up as heroes a lot. So I do think there are some, those sociological questions. All right. So, Mercy, we're almost out of time here. I don't know if you were going to tell people to watch one or the other of these things. Which one would you send them to? Oh, my goodness. I can't do that. Um, I, I, uh, I thought both of these were excellent. I thought that they were both great for different reasons. I do agree that the dropout felt more like a suspenseful horror and um uh, uh uh the oh gosh what is this film yeah. called inventing anna felt more of like watching a crash in slow motion which is you know um uh, yeah. something adjacent to trauma porn um and i i just really one thing we haven't talked about in this uh episode yet is the really great journalism depicted in both of these pieces. And for me, journalism being my first love, right? I, there, the, the couple things that really resonated with me was like this hunger for the story. Absolutely. But I never, one thing that didn't resonate with me was, was this depiction of this, like, um, this uh, uh, animus of a relationship between the reporter and editor. Um, I never felt that way in newsrooms in Connecticut. I, I think that, 
the Scriberia depicted in an advancing Anna is hilarious to me. I can absolutely say that there was a Scriberia mm. in the New Haven Register, but that Scriberia was the wealth of knowledge that was carried there, uh, uh, right? Like, and I wouldn't describe it as Scriberia as, um, at all, but you know, these seasoned reporters, Mary O'Leary, Mark Brackenberry, Matt Dorenzo, right? I never had these contentious relationships with either fellow reporters or or editors who were, they would actually be pushing me to say, all right, this is not, this is something that is a hole in your thinking. Um, so I think if you're a reporter, uh, if you're a journalist at all, watch both of them and, and really indulge in that side of the work. If you are interested in something more contemporary and, and uh, astonishingly <laughs> relatable, maybe watch Inventing Anna because the way she swindles even regular people to to even today still believe that she is who she says she is, is, is something uh, to marvel at, certainly. All right, we've got to take a break right here. We'll come back. We'll make some recommendations. We're back. Today is the uh, birthday of our boss, uh, Katie Jalarski, whose vacation plans were somewhat uh, derailed. But happy birthday uh, to someone who shares a birthday with Maisie Williams, better known as Arya Stark. They're both badasses who are not tall. Uh, All right. Uh, Also, thanks to uh, Dylan Rays. He's in here uh, sitting in for the big shoes uh, of Cat Pastor as our technical producer. And thanks to Jonathan McPants, who always produces the nose, at least whenever possible. Uh, All right. So Bill, Mercy, and Tanisha all have recommendations to make. Uh, Tanisha, why don't you get us going? I've only got one. Um, I'm going to uh, endorse Chloe Bailey, who has been like a slow burn for me. I I didn't like jump into her as an artist, but I really <laughs> like her new single, Treat Me. And uh, yeah, like I love a 20 year old girl doing the most. It's, it's awesome. Chloe All Bailey. Right. All right, Chloe Bailey. Good one. Uh, Bill Usman, how about you? So both the shows we talked about today are, you know, streaming or premium subscription cable. Um, suddenly I find myself more than usual watching some shows that are just on regular old broadcast or cable TV. So I just want to mention three really quickly. Um, Three shows right now, just regular weekly shows that I'm thoroughly enjoying are Abbott Elementary, um, Atlanta, and Better Things. Each one has a completely different tone and feel than the others, but all three of them are really, really smart and really insightful into um, very relevant kind of contemporary, the way we're living now. And so I'm just finding all three of them really interesting and absorbing. And I think I'm also interested in how, like, is this a resurgence in non-streaming TV? I don't know. It could just be a coincidence, but all three are great. I'm convinced it's not a coincidence. And my uh, my N of one basis for this is that Sam Hadleman, who's the cool kid on the nose, uh, he, he he's always kind of a little bit ahead of us. <laughs> and Sam has been mm-hmm. talking to me about these those shows and the idea of network television kind of coming back for two or three months now. So uh, and we are definitely going to do an episode of the nose that addresses this. Uh, Mercy Quay, also one of the cool kids on the nose, although Sam, Sam, as you know, is very hard to compete with on that basis. <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll be very happy to hear you say that. Um, so uh, this week was really hard to find a space recommendation, um, <laughs> but 
but I did. I, I, I feel pretty good about um, what I've put together. So uh, Nicole Scott's, uh, I'm sorry, Nicole Stott's book, Back to Earth, What Life in Space Taught Me About Our Home Planet. Nicole Scott is a retired NASA astronaut. And it's a bit of a memoir and a bit of, you know, life lessons um, cross, cross into self-help in the sense of, you know, existentialism when it comes to what we need to protect the earth. Um, then there's Marvel's Moon Knight, which came, which has recently released. There's two episodes out and it's releasing weekly. So certainly recommending that. And then just finally, Obama's narrating a show on Netflix. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I want to endorse most things Obama's doing um, and certainly endorse any anything that has to do with our nation's, you know, the our, our national parks. Um, and so this is called um, it's called uh, About Our National Parks by Obama. Oh, I'm sorry, Our Great National Parks. And it premiered this week. Uh, Obama is narrating the entirety of it. And it gives some Neil deGrasse Tyson from the previews that I've seen. So I'm sure it will not disappoint. All right. Thanks to all three of you. Very, very quickly, I have to endorse Elizabeth Williamson's, Williamson's book, Sandy Hook, An American Tragedy and the Battle for Truth. She will be on the show Monday. This is an amazing book. Uh, Obama's in it, obviously. Uh, and that's all I have time to say. But please support us when the people ask. <laughs>